Welcome into Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are continuing our August mailbag with great questions from you guys from Twitter. Gavin, what questions are we getting into today? We are talking about how the Knicks can offload Julius Randle, what price is too high, how the Knicks can get some of their protected picks less protected, and then finally, a boxing match between me and Alex. Who would win? Who would win boxing matches between every position group on the Knicks? All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster. His favorite play-by-play broadcaster about to get back into high school football action. One of my favorite seasons as someone who used to get to cover high school football. I miss those days. Simpler time. Now I cover the freaking Knicks, uh, <laughs> which I love. But we have some great mailbag questions today, Gavin, uh, starting with one from Bilo Sell High on Twitter at swing underscore trade 55. I guess this one's not quite a question, more a statement that we're going to react to. But uh, Bilo Sell High says, hi, guys, trade Randall now. Even if number one is needed to do so, I'm assuming like a number one pick uh, or a a first round pick, I should say. Then play the young guys 30 plus minutes in the first half of the coming season and then make a decision on Donovan Mitchell or anyone else at the trade deadline. At least we'd be more informed at that point. Um, Gavin, I sort of agree with the spirit of this in that, you know, if the Knicks decide that they want to wait on a Mitchell trade, I'm fine with that. Um, and if they want to see what they have in the young players and potentially pull off a deal at the trade deadline or, you know, even like January or, or December or something like that. Cool. I'm, I'm into that because I think all you can do by playing these young guys more is uh, potentially increase their value. Because as we saw at the end of last year, when these guys get minutes, they're pretty darn good. That said, my sticking point here and the thing that I think I have the most problem with in this question is the the attach a first to Randall, if that's what it takes to move him. Uh, How are you feeling about that? Like what's your desperation level to be rid of Julius Randall at this point? It's pretty high. Uh, The thing is, I I just don't buy that. It'll take a first round pick to get off of him. I mean, teams are going to be disappointing um, that have a lot of pressure on them. I I look at the Hawks don't have a need for him, but that type of team that has high expectations that I, I just don't really see a scenario where they're any better than seventh or eighth in the Eastern conference in the West. You can go through it. Someone I was looking at a Reddit post the other day and a guy made like a semi-credible case. Like you could argue nine teams in the West could come into the season, arguing that they have some chance, even if it's a small chance to win the conference, there's going to be pressure to add someone. And if Julius comes out and flashes 
anything better than he did last year. Like even if the efficiency isn't way up, but he just has a better attitude and is playing harder. Um, I think he's still someone who could have either a positive return or return. I guess, Alex, I'd be curious how you would approach the worst case scenario. Let's just say Julius comes back and it's more of last season. He's shooting terribly. He's getting frustrated. The body language on the court is awful. He's not hustling back. Do you just bench him and in, in benching him, risk him permanently turning into a negative asset? I mean, I've said it a million times. My best case scenario would be somehow if he was willing to come off the bench, I actually think he would be a fantastic fit and that would be a perfect role for him. I just don't see that being realistic at all. So would you, would you banish him before attaching, let's just say like a top, I don't know. Well, I guess I guess the Dallas pick would be your version of a heavily protected first round pick. Um, would you just say bye? Uh, don't come around anymore. We'll we'll see you at the end of your contract. Yeah, I would pretty much Eddie Curry treatment him. I would say like go home and enjoy your season. Yeah, or Joakim Noah. You know, whatever. Pick your pick your poison. The Knicks have had a few of these over the years. Uh, yeah, I mean now if he if he came in and his attitude was as bad as it was to end last season, and he's mailing it in on the court all the time and i mean there were certain games last year where like the he was just dripping with passive aggression i mean there were some games i can't remember what game it was in particular but there was like the one game where he didn't take a single shot in the paint you know he shot like 12 three-pointers and like that was basically it you know and it's like and he was doing it like in the most in the most like outwardly like i don't care way possible of just being like, oh, I'm just going to jack threes. Like maybe he was just aggravated about something that happened at practice or something. But like, if he comes in with that same sort of attitude this year, like, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no room for that. Like the Knicks are trying to build something different than that. Now, you know, they have a good stable of young guys. They have a guy in Obi Toppin who, if you believe the reporting from someone like Mark Berman, uh, who we've had on the show, who said it, you know, on here, like, the Knicks had a little bit of a 180, or at least Tibbs, I should say, I guess, had a little bit of a 180 on Obi Toppin towards the end of the year and, and was like, oh, crap, maybe I was stupid for not playing him more. Like, he actually is really good, <laughs> you know? And and so you know that you have that guy waiting in the wings behind Julius Randle. Julius knows that guy is waiting. That might be part of what his frustrations are. But, you know, if I'm Leon Rose, and uh, well, I guess you got to be Leon Rose first. You got to talk to Tibbs and to Julius. And then you specifically have to talk to Tibbs and be like, you have to hold this guy accountable or else like your job is potentially on the line too, because you're supposed to be like this experienced old school NBA coach that can keep guys in line. So do that. Um, and if you don't do that, then that's going to reflect poorly on you too. But basically talk to Julius and say like, you gotta, you gotta get with the program. You gotta understand that there are younger players on this team and RJ Barrett might get more shots than you on a consistent basis. Jalen Brunson is going to come in here and, have a big role in this offense and you might have to not have the ball in your hands sometimes and still try. If he's not willing to do that, then yeah, send him home. I mean, he has to understand too, that even let's say he wants to get out and the Knicks are saying like, well, we're not going to do it. If we have to like, let's just assume for the sake of argument that the Knicks have called every team in the league right now. And every single team has said, no, we wouldn't take Julius Randall even for free right now. Like you have to attach something to him. And the Knicks say, well, we're just flatly not going to do that because this guy made all NBA a year ago. And that's why we gave him, you know, a, a pretty reasonable contract extension, all things considered. Um, you know, if if you're calling around and and teams are saying that, then you can relay that to Julius and say, look, if you really want out, then you, you got to get with the program in that regard, too. Because, you know, teams aren't going to take you without us attaching something to you right now. You're not going to help your case if you come back and play like you did last year. Because clearly that got us in this situation. So you need to play better and display that you're 
you know, going to handle this season more mature than you did last season. Um, and so in that regard, like, I, hopefully he that would resonate with him. And then they could say, look, you know, if you do that, then if you still really want out by like midway through the season, we'll trade you. Um, and, you know, if Julius still says that, then cool. Then they can get something for him at the deadline or even before. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at with him. Like, if he's not willing to get with the program and if MB, every NBA team is saying we're not going to give you anything, it it sucks to have a guy make $25 million and have him sit on the bench or just sit at home. But if that's what it takes, I, I'd rather do that than have him be as mopey as he was like towards the end of last season because it, it got really bad after a while. Yeah, and, and to me, the way I think this actually plays out is I have a feeling he's going to come in with a much better attitude. He's going to play much harder. He's going to take better shots. He's going to make an effort to get to the rim more. And I still don't think it'll work because I just don't think he makes sense in the start. Even Donovan Mitchell, like with Donovan Mitchell, he really makes no sense. Even without Donovan Mitchell, I don't think he makes a ton of sense with Brunson and RJ. And I just think Obi is just a much better fit with those guys, even if Julius is playing the best version of himself. But if he plays like that, and even if it's not adding up to a winning product for the Knicks, He's going to be that much more tradable to your point. So I think I think it's a clear win-win for everyone. And if I were to to take a hypothetical look inside what those conversations are this preseason, I think they're centered around that saying, look, you just got to play your best. We'll see where we're at if we're winning. Great. Like we're back on track. That's why we signed you to that contract. If we're not and you're playing hard, then we'll be able to move you super easily. And like and and hopefully to a place that does have an obvious need for you and does have an obvious fit for you. Because I just don't see that fit on this team. But Alex. Uh, if Obi Toppin is looking to get ready for more minutes this year, what's what, what's one way? You know, he's he, he's got to have that Julius bulk if he's if he's going to defend the biggest power forwards in the league. How how can he get there? Well, he he can get there with some built puffs, and the good news is is that he won't. Unlike some other protein bars, where you have to like like choke your way through it with built puffs, you don't have to do that. It's like you're eating a, a marshmallowy, light, fluffy candy bar. And on top of it, built puffs right now have a new flavor indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate that's right built has done it again and let me introduce you to this new flavor cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate as all built bars are cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them so you can run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family it'll be a perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself for me, it's uh, well, I can't really say it. My wife might hear me, but somewhere in our pantry, deep in the abyss, I have uh, I've hidden the built puffs where only I can eat them. Like all built bars, too, the new cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. It is so good. And what's great about Build is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me, locked on 15 and you can get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. All right, Gavin, we are back to continue with mailbag questions. We have another one here. Oh, here's another one. It, I, I get the feeling I know where this, this uh, question asker would stand with us on the last question there. From win the trade or walk away, period, on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, at Knicks five oh five. This is uh, this is Danny Ainge's burner, <laughs> right? Yeah, Dan- 
Danny Angel or Leon Roses for that matter. It seems like we're at a we're at a pretty interesting stalemate where both of them are like, I want to win this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so Nick's five hundred five, uh, aka win the trade or walk away, wants to know what about trying to unprotect the Mavs and Bucks picks? Unlocking the Dallas pick should be cheap as the Mavs would benefit too. The Pels own the Bucks twenty twenty five pick if it's in the top four. How much is that really worth to them? That would allow us the Knicks to trade our 23, 24, 25 and 26 picks to Utah. First off, <laughs> that's a lot of picks uh, on the Knicks on the Knicks side. I'm assuming that that means uh, unprotected in some way, but I, I like the spirit of this idea. You know, I think if you can grease the wheels one way or another, like I, I think I'd like to zero in on Dallas, honestly here more than anything yeah. else. Like, I don't think the Pelicans would be super motivated because they'd be like, why would we want to give up the potential? Like, who knows? Maybe Giannis like tears his ACL or something. Like, I'm not wishing that on him, but you never know. It's it's that type of league. Like, if that happens in 2024, 25 for the Bucks, like they might finish as a lottery team. And who knows? Maybe they end up in the top four. And then the Pels get to cash in on that. Like, I don't think any team would just be like, Yeah, let me give up the best part of this protected pick uh, for like basically nothing. Um, That said though, the Dallas part interests me because Dallas in large part, thanks to the Knicks uh, find themselves with a, a pretty large talent void on their team right now. And the Knicks maybe still have a little roster crunching to do. Uh, I kind of wonder if maybe as part of the, of this eventual Donovan Mitchell trade, if it does happen, if the Knicks could, involve Dallas in a way and maybe you know the Knicks with say an Evan Fournier that the Jazz probably wouldn't be super interested in that the Mavs would probably be like oh heck yeah sign us up for another shooter next to Luka Doncic like maybe there's a scenario where they would be interested in taking on Fournier to unprotect that pick and either allow the Knicks to keep that pick to then ship off their own or to ship off that Dallas pick is now an unprotected pick to the jazz and make this deal work. I don't know, Gavin, what do you think about that as far as a potential scenario uh, to make this deal happen? I'm, I'm totally with you in, in that uh, being plausible to me. The, the biggest factor is that Dallas just has just such a significant incentive in the sense that because of the protections on the pick, they currently cannot trade a first until 2026 and they're going to have to make some kind of move post Brunson, right? Like this team is incomplete. We saw the ceiling of what they were last year, which was with Luca. I mean, let's be honest. He, he was in the playoffs. He was, I would say, clearly the best offensive player in basketball, right? And that got them to one win in the Western Conference Finals, which is great. But they already lost the second best guy off that team. The West is significantly better. That Clippers team that, um, again, despite Luca just being insane, uh, knocked them off in back-to-back postseasons. They're back to full strength. You could argue Minnesota's approaching them in terms of overall talent. I mean, the you two numbers two and three in Minnesota are so much better than numbers two and three in Dallas right now. And you can go on and on and on. There, there's a whole bunch of challenges for Dallas to get back to where they were this past season. And to do so, they will likely have to trade some picks. And if they're going to trade some picks, uh, they're going to need to unprotect the 2023 one. So to your point, Alex, if they could do that and pick up Evan Fournier or the guy I think they'd really want to go after is Cam Reddish just because of his potential on the defensive end. To me, if I were running Dallas, that is exactly the type of dude I'd want next to Luka, someone who is lengthy and switchy on defense and on offense, can shoot the ball, but also has some creation, has some athleticism. If I'm Dallas, I'm banking on Cam 
playing to the best of his ability, um, playing for a contender and playing next to uh, the best creator. I know shots at Trey that he's ever gotten to play with. Uh, so that, that combination to me makes it very likely. I think that this could go down if the Knicks are so inclined to give up an asset to make it happen. Yeah. And I think there's like salary ways to make it work too, whether it's, whether it's Reddish or it's Fournier. Um, you know, I, I think that they can, so like just looking at the roster, they have like Dwight Powell making 11 million and you could say, you know, oh, well he's, uh, he's been a, a pretty good fixture there. And yes, that I do think that's true, but um, they did just sign JaVale McGee. That's like their only free agent signing of the offseason. Also, uh, Maxi Kleba was probably the best, like really the, the guy that they were going to a lot in the playoffs and presumably the guy that they're going to be giving a lot of playing time to. So you can get off of Powell, who's the more traditional big of the two, you know, the two incumbents, and then just say, okay, well, we have JaVale McGee now for that like rim protector type, the rim runner, the dunker, you know, whatever, like that's that's a good fit. So, you know, I think he's expendable as an $11 million salary. Josh Green, you know, a guy that hasn't really gotten a ton of playing time there yet, um, makes a little over $3 million on his rookie deal still. He's only 21 years old. Maybe that even it, he becomes a more attractive piece to go to the Jazz to sort of be like, all right, well, here's another young player for your clearly about to be tanking team. Um, you know, and, and if to your point, you know, the the Mavs want Cam Reddish and maybe like the Jazz aren't interested in Cam Reddish, then maybe you say, okay, Cam Reddish goes to there. Um, and then you can send Josh Green over to uh, the Jazz along with maybe, I don't know, I doubt they would do it, but maybe they could potentially be talked into giving up Jaden Hardy. Although I, I think that they're pretty, that they feel pretty good about him. I also don't know that they can trade him right away because they use the mini MLE to sign him rather than, rookie rights so I, I don't know if he can be traded before december 15th but either way um you know i think that there's intriguing options on the dallas roster to maybe make this happen and i think if you're the knicks too because of the benefits that come with dallas unprotecting this pick and getting a good player back i think you could probably even talk them into like not giving up a first to make anything happen but at least like greasing the wheels a little with like a few second round picks or something over to uh the jazz to kind of be like here here's couple extra assets, another young player, you know, that isn't really going to get playing time on a team that fancies themselves as a contender, despite losing Jalen Brunson. I think there's a lot of avenues to potentially make this work. So I have no doubt that the Knicks are canvassing everything, but if they haven't thought about this option yet, I hope that they do. Cause I, I think this could potentially be a winning combination uh, for the Knicks, uh, you know, as far as finding someone to help the whole, uh, uh, Mitchell deal eventually go down and, you know, potentially get some, send some more desirable things to the jazz while also, as you said, sort of helping the Mavericks in a weird way too, uh, of unlocking their, their draft compensation to be able to use, be used in other trades, whether it's this year, or next summer, you know, whenever they'll at least have a little more flexibility now. Yeah. And especially when Danny Ainge wants to win the headline, right? Because then you come out yeah. of it, saying like, oh, we got four unprotected first round picks, even if it's only three from the Knicks, right? And, and Dallas mm -hmm. has that other one. That's in the headline of, of that trade. And to me, from everything we've heard about Danny Ainge, both from David Locke and, and John Corrales and everything we've read, he's a guy who wants to win the headline. So that could that could be a, a potentially a significant factor. I don't know. Uh, but Alex, let's take a quick break. But first, when we come back, uh, we're going to answer our final question 
Uh, I think I know the answer, but we can get into it. Who wins in a boxing match between you and me? And a follow-up question is, I, I think I shot that down on Twitter a little bit to our guy, Alex. Uh, who wins boxing matches amongst the Knicks guards, wings, and bigs? I assume we'll take longer talking about that next on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, we are back on Locked on Knicks, third and final segment. Let's get into the question from our guy, Alex, who has a smiley face emoji next to his name. Uh, or just not even an emoji. It's, it's old-fashioned. It's typed out. Um, and his handles at anxious and one all caps on the and one number one most important question who wins in a boxing match Alex or Gavin Alex we've gotten the one-on-one in basketball a lot over the years I'd, I'd like someone to just go ahead and ask like a full panel of athletic events maybe we could play it out put it on YouTube just 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 let the people see one thing I will not be playing out with you is boxing because I think <laughs> I might die but uh, you're, you're 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 welcome to give your take <laughs> yeah I will say like once or twice I like sparred with friends or whatever. And like, I'm not the fastest Hmm. when it cut, but I could take a punch like crazy. (laughs) And if, if I connected, I, I I hate to say it, but I think you'd be out. (laughs) I think, think, but I think I outweigh you by like 80 pounds. So it's reasonable. It's reasonable. It's not unsurprising. Like we're not even in the same weight class, technically speaking. So yeah. Um, I don't know that there's much debate. No, the, one. the one thing I've always, I've thought about this before, like, because I'm, I'm someone who like post second grade, I don't think I've been in a fight, but like, I'm like, oh, you know, I would have wingspan on most people, but with, you're like two inches taller than me. It's not, it's not going to mm-hmm. fly. So, uh, and I think I have a slightly plus wingspan too, on uh, being six foot four. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. All right, let, let's yeah. keep it moving. All right. Um, boxing matches amongst the Knicks guard. So to me, this was, this was pretty easy. If you consider RJ Barrett a guard, um i'm i'm taking rj 10 times out of 10 if you don't then i think i would lean towards deuce but where, where are you on that? yeah i um i think i'd probably go rj as a I, i'm gonna say that rj is a wing hmm. i i think he would qualify as a wing more than a guard which i guess then begs the question of like who are the wings and who are the guards if i was gonna like spell it all out i'd probably say brunson fournier rose uh quickly Deuce. And McBride and Keels are all yeah. guards, I think. And then wings. Keels, Keels is a sneaky candidate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keels doesn't have a great wingspan, though. So, like, that standing yeah. reach isn't going to be great. I kind of think McBride, actually, if it was among that group. Although, I think, isn't didn't quickly put something up on, like, his Instagram or something recently that he's been boxing during the offseason, like, as mm-hmm. a way to get stronger or whatever. And, like, a lot of guys do that. Like, it's a pretty common thing for NBA players. Yeah. Um, Brunson is sort of a sleeper candidate for me too. Like he's kind of a bulldog and he's built. Like he looks like if he, the the wingspan isn't there, but if he connected, I think he would punch hard. Um, I just think McBride has the right combo. Like used to be a football player. If he knows what he's doing in a fight at all, he's got the wingspan. So does quickly though. Like I think they might be the, the final like championship match. If it went through like a little like tournament of the Knicks guards, I think it would be deuce versus quickly. I don't know who would win. I'm really curious who can actually punch harder out of those two, but my bet would be on Deuce being the former football player, I think. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I just looked it up. Deuce only weighs five more pounds. He's at 195. Quickly and Brunson are both at 190. So maybe that would give them a shot, but Deuce just strikes me as like the most like boxing athleticism. Dude. Like he's just like quick strike, like fast, like how tough, how strong his hands are defensively. Would you consider would you you'd put Grimes with the wings then I assume because he was someone else I was thinking about. With. Yeah, I'm thinking wings would be just in the interest of having a wings category sure. at all yeah. would be RJ 
Grimes Cam. and Cam, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I would I'm taking RJ pretty easily out of that yeah, group. I think. I think I would too. I mean, he's yeah. he's built the most like brolic of those three dudes. And yeah, like Cam is just he's a string bean. So I mean, I don't know how well he would do. Grimes maybe would hold his own, but like RJ's got him on height and standing reach pretty easily. So I those are huge like and it, I know boxing is a little different, but anytime I watch like MMA or whatever too, like standing reach makes a huge difference. Like, yeah. and a little height difference can make a big, big difference. Like, because you can punch two inches further than the guy that you're facing or whatever. And that means they have to do that much more avoiding and, you know, you get that much more opportunity to surprise them. So I think RJ would probably win uh, on top of the fact that he's just, I mean, RJ's built like a grown ass man. And like those other two, uh, Cam in particular really needs to put some meat on, but like uh, Grimes, I think is built about as big as he's ever going to be and still isn't nearly as big as RJ is. So I, I think it would probably be RJ because he has the quicks to back it up too. Yeah. Well, some good news for Julius Randle. He's finally going to win something on this podcast because I, I think he is the clear winner of the bigs category. The guy is enormous and his like, we, we talk about this all the time, but you oh, borderline unique athletic gifts, like not just in the NBA, like amongst the human population, like people, his size, his weight, have no business being as quick as he is in another world. I think he could have been a, a monster boxer. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's got, he's got everything going for him too, right? Like he's, he's not the toss, but he, he has a plus wingspan too. Um, I don't think like huge, but at least like a few inches, but he's got the strength to back it up. That's the biggest thing. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times when guys have the big plus wingspans, they, can't they just like physically can't put on that much muscle and stuff like on their arms and whatever because like their arms are just so long you know it's the muscles are so like stretched out i guess i don't know but like he's got that rare combo where he's got a a decently plus wingspan but also is just like built like a tank so that's a good combo for boxing um he's also very quick on his feet you know and he's as we've seen with some of his stuff around like the perimeter and stuff when he was at his best like he can real quick change direction on you. You know, I, I, he's certain, I mean, he's just, he's built. I don't know if I can overstate it. Like he's built like a a freaking Greek God. You know what I mean? Like he's, he should in theory do really well in this. Mitch, I think would be a little slow footed, even though he would have that wingspan advantage. Um, Hartenstein. Mitch would also, let's speak. He would like trip walking in (laughs) and injure himself. Yeah. Mitch doesn't have the sort of gait that I think would make a good boxer. Like when you watch him run up and down the court, even it's just like, you're so like gangly. No, <laughs> and I love I, Mitch, but <laughs> I, I do love the idea of Berman in his corner as like his trainer. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that could elevate him a little bit. The bus driver getting yeah. him, getting him to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he has a tough first round. What do I need to do bus? How do I get, how do I beat this guy? <laughs> you gotta believe um, Mitch. You gotta believe. <laughs> yeah. And then like, I'm trying to like, Obi is built too lithe. You know, I think I mean, he's too nice. Also, he's too, Obi's also I, too nice. Yeah, Obi wouldn't, Obi wouldn't want to punch anyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hartenstein, I don't know enough about to say for sure, but he doesn't strike me as the boxing type and he seems a little too slow footed for it, too. I think my one maybe wild card would be Sims. Yeah, because you want to talk about another guy that like, I mean, he would just be like a one punch can win it all kind of guy. Like, I don't know if he even would know what he's doing necessarily, because uh, maybe he's raw in in uh boxing just like he's kind of still raw in basketball like at his more advanced age but like i don't know i mean if he if he 
took on the, to the footwork quickly and, you know, was able to, uh, you know, just land one good cross or like an uppercut or something. I mean, whatever, if you could do any sort of like put some force behind it, punch, uh, that's like a one shot and you're out kind of deal. I mean, he's cause you want to talk about guys that are built like Greek gods too. I mean, he's like enormous. Um, and given how vertically explosive he is, I would imagine in a sport where you got to be pretty quick on your feet and like on your toes at all times, like boxing, he could succeed. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Sims would be the wild card, but my inclination is I think Julius would win. All right. We know what would happen if Alex and I boxed. Uh, we hope we know what would happen after you guys listen, like, subscribe, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we will be back. I don't, I don't know 100% when we'll be back, but plenty more to come this summer. Lots of good episodes. Lots of good guests. Uh, so stay tuned. Unlocked on Knicks. Until next time, be good. Peace out. Talk to you soon.